Hi, my name is Taffy Jaffe, and I hope this ages well. Hey there, welcome to I Hope This Ages Well, a podcast centered around capturing the stories of our most senior community members. I'm a stand-up comedian, so to make each episode a little fun, I'm going to be sharing jokes with the guests, and the guests will be sharing jokes with me. I'm your host, Gilberto Soto. Should we get started? Yeah, let's go. I can't stand stopping. I can't stand the, the alone. It's, it's, it's like I always say, I don't believe in dying. When someone I know passes, I leave their name in my phone book and just stay mad. They never call me. Today, we welcome a fellow New York stand-up comedian who engages audience with her charm and hilarious jokes. She was also on America's Got Talent. Hmm. I love that she opens up to us and tells us about the love of her life, Vinny, and all the wonderful experiences that they had. As she says, she was born talking. So without further ado, please welcome Taffy Jaffe. How'd you get the name Taffy Jaffe? Well, I've had many names because I've been, I was married twice, but I got Taffy when I was a kid because I stole saltwater taffy candy from this guy, and they nicknamed me Taffy. And I always think, lucky I didn't take the sour balls. <laughs> and, and then when I retired from being a psychotherapist and became a comedian, I thought of the last name Jaffe because it's actually my mother's maiden name. So Taffy Jaffe is, they constantly call me and they think it's so wonderfully humorous. Oh, Laffy Taffy, ha, 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 which I've heard better jokes than that. <laughs> and yeah, for people that are listening to this, you are a comedian, which we will obviously discuss. That's how you and I both met right. on the comedy scene. But first, let's get to know you a little bit. So um, where, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? I'm originally from the Bronx, Bronx, New York. Oh, native New Yorker. Native New York. I'm a native New Yorker. And I lived near, grew up near the Yankee Stadium. Oh, were you a Yankees fan? No, I don't know too much about balls. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I asked that. I don't know much about baseball either. Uh -huh. um, I know a lot about balls, but just not baseball. <laughs> um, so that's good. Okay, so born and raised in Bronx, New York, but now you are in the city. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you never lived anywhere outside of New York? Never lived anywhere else, no. Why not? I think one of the big reasons is I don't drive a car. And so after the two divorces, I had this boyfriend for 36 years. And he's the true love of my life. And he drove, but I didn't. I, I, I always said we had the worst time of all when we were in a car together. Because even though I don't drive, I do offer traffic tips. We love that. As drivers. And, and that drove him just crazy. I, I have that as part of my jokes. I say, um, he, he says, you talk too much. You need a 12-step program for people who talk too much. Not Al-Anon, but on and on and on. He'd say, I feel like murdering you, but I know in the middle of it, you'll say I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you would give him direction on how to do that. Yeah, that's very you from the people that do know you. Why? Uh, what do they say? They don't say. No one says anything, but I can tell that you always have an opinion. I once said this, to this guy, I, I'm stuck with writing. I don't have no, nothing left to say. He said, nothing left to say. You're the most opinionated person I ever met. <laughs> yeah, which I think is good, right? Growing up, 
uh, in Bronx, New York. So tell me a little bit about how growing up in Bronx, New York was for you. Well, you want to know about my family or you want to know about street life? Let's talk about street life. Uh, there wasn't any. <laughs> I, I was going to just talk about my family. Okay, talk about your family. Yeah. I think I was born talking. That's a great book title, by the way. Born talking. Born talking. And um, I didn't fit in with the family very well. My mother's, all the females, well, I, 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 I talk about in my act that um, they, they said I had ADD, attention demanding disorder. And they try to teach me, if you see something, don't say something. <laughs> and, and, and all the females in the family, my mother's family, were quiet, well-behaved, and I wasn't. I was more like my father, which was not exactly a compliment when they said that. When, uh, when he was born, they made one more, and then they threw away the mold, and that was me. He was a party guy. He was a gathering people together and hoopla. You know, he was. when I grew up, my father was an accountant, and his um, clients, he had clients that were in Manhattan that had music bars. And he would take me, I, I don't think I even went to school yet, I was little, and he would take me and he'd go in the back room in these bars to do the books and he'd sit me on top of the bar and I entertained. <laughs> wow. And I, I absolutely loved it. And it, it, even now, if I get to feel down, if I just walk out and and notice kids I love kids, like three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and you can tell their whole personality by that age. Some of them you like, hi, and they turn away, and they grab onto mommy. Other ones are like, oh, they can't wait to play with you, and, and they're terrific. I, I think it, when, when I feel like I'm too much, or when I feel like, oh, it's awful, I'm alone, I lost my boyfriend, and here I am alone, I just go to the park, and I study these kids who are like, I can, uh, don't hold my hand, I can walk myself. And they're so independent, and they just love their their independence. And I say, good, so that's okay, you're like them now. Anyway, um, so my father, I had mixed messages from my father. On the one hand, he liked it that I was friendly to everybody and out there and engaging. On the other hand, he could be very competitive. Like I used to be friendly with a kind of a big shot comedian. I took her once. I took him once to the nightclub to see her. We went backstage, and I'm talking, and he pushes me in the side, basically, and he says, "I got a better one." He <laughs> <laughs> was very competitive. I could see that. Yeah. Is that where you? Is do you, are you competitive now? No, I think I, I think um, I'm just in my own bubble. Yeah, you create your own world. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite thing about growing up in New York? Well, I didn't have that much to compare it to. <laughs> but I had an aunt who lived in Hell's Kitchen mm. on Ninth Avenue and 45th Street. And they used to send me there weekends to get me out of the house. I had an older cousin that would take me around with her. They forced her to take care of me. And I'd go to the movies with her and her friend. And they were kind of um, polite girls. And they'd say, oh, look, across the street, there's Joey and Larry from school. So I'd go, Joey and Larry, here's Edith and Joan. And <laughs> they would be so humiliated. You had a big personality even as a child. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, and you really grew into it. You leaned into it. You didn't shy away from that. <laughs> I think that's great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of my main loves 
is connecting to people. I like to be around a, a party atmosphere like, and play comedy volleyball. You say now, you throw the ball now, you say now, you say now, you say, and just keep it all going one on top of the other. That to me is just the most fun. How long have you been doing stand-up then? Well, I really only dabbled in it. I couldn't really do it till after I retired. I, I used to say I couldn't do stand-up when I was younger because I was raising my daughter. I had joint custody. I took care of it with one hand and smoked joints with the other. <laughs> <laughs> and so I more did it after I retired. Okay. And I've had a, I've had a lot of successes. I did the Friars Club was incredible. Where's the Friars Club at? It's um it's in the 50s on oh. the, on the east side. Okay. And a woman invited me to do the Friars Club and it was sponsored by a Greek wine company. So the comedians, in between the comedians' acts, they had wine tasting. So, and then after all the comedians performed, all the women, we, we sat on the on the stage in a panel, and she asked us questions, the MC. So she, the question she asked me was, Taffy, if it was your last meal on earth, what would you have? So I said, <laughs> where's that Greek guy, Nico? <laughs> <laughs> he was part of the wine people. So the guy came running up on stage, and I turned around to and said something to him, and I could see he didn't speak English. So I said to the audience, this is just the kind of guy I love, one who doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're very and, quick. Yeah. They said that my ace card is ad-libbing, that, that my ad-libs ad are better than any any jokes that I have. Well, I can attest that I love your ad libs from uh, the times I've seen you perform. You're very quick. You always have something up your sleeve. <laughs> uh, and it's a very entertaining in, in that manner. And so um, one of the other, can I say, calls to fame is that you were on America's Got Talent. You know how that came about? No, please tell me. I had this darling boyfriend for 36 years and he, he was just made for me. Every day I used to make this guy swear, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. And then like a year ago, in the middle of the pandemic, he turned 88 years old, his heart failed, and he died. And uh, like I say, I'm still in shock. But then I say, I, I think I figured it out, though. We were together 36 years. He got scared of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> but I was in a bad way. I was just like frozen. And my daughter lives in Los Angeles. My, I only have one child, my daughter, Cleo. And she invited me to, I don't know whether to live there or visit or whatever, but I bought a one-way ticket and I went there. And it was in the middle of COVID. They were all very busy. She lives with her husband and my grandson, who's now 16, who was the real love of my life. I said I bonded with that boy when he was born. Right after his circumcision, I bonded with him because I held him and he stopped screaming. After the circumcision, after I whispered to him, don't worry, you're still hung like a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all very busy. And so because I don't drive, I just could take walks. And it, it was awful. So my daughter said, you have to find something to do. So I joined a comedy Zoom because all the comedy clubs are, are, were closed also. Yeah. So I joined a comedy Zoom course, class. And the first class I was on, another student said, if Jackie Mason and Rodney Dangerfield had a daughter, it would be you. And she said, they're taking tapes for America's Got Talent. Send in a tape. And I did. 
And long story short, they invited me out there. I was there five days. I had all kinds of interviews and photography sessions. It was really unreal. And I passed all yeses from all the judges. And I thought, good, now my new life is beginning. I'm now a superstar. Mm -hmm. But they only put a clip of mine on. And in a way, I'm relieved because I really don't want to fly out there again and have to go over all my jokes with them and so forth and so on. But YouTube picked it up. And I got so far, last time I looked, was like 2,500 hits. YouTube wrote, elderly comic Taffy Jaffe flirts with Judge Howie Mandel. And, and then I said that I figured out why they didn't put me on because of my first joke. I said, I'm so excited to be here. It's actually the end of a perfect day. It started this morning. I went to the gynecologist. Nothing was wrong. I just felt the need to open up to someone. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> very shocking. Huh? <laughs> it's very shocking. Yeah. So that was America's Got Talent. And it, it, so wait, so you got yeses from all the judges? Yes, all the judges. And did you go on to the next round? Or I don't know how no, that works. No. You know, I thought that if you got all yeses, that meant that you were going to be on, but it's not yeah. because they give a million auditions and they only have thirty-one spots. So sometimes they even put in people who done, didn't get yeses just to show whatever. Oh, so if you get all four yeses, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to go on to the next exactly. one. So when did they tell you you weren't going to go on to the next round? Oh, they they only tell you the week before I was going to go on. This thing drags on and on and on. It's endless. And they don't tell you to the last minute. And you have to sign a million papers. You'll never discuss this with anybody. And so I told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I remember meeting you very, <laughs> in the very, like, I don't know, maybe a good, almost a year ago, maybe not that much. And you were introduced to me as, oh, she's going to be on AGT. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. right. You just couldn't hold it in. And why should you? Life is short. Listen, I used to stop people on the bus. I used to stop, wherever I went, I told everybody. <laughs> what would you, <laughs> what would you say? Like like one time I was on the bus and I got in a conversation with these two guys about the weather, how cold it is, and et cetera. And then I said, I'm waiting to hear from America's Got Talent. <laughs> you you want to hear my jokes? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ah, that's so amazing. You know, I find that a lot of comedians have an angry or a mean part. I don't really like that. Like even Joan Rivers to make fun of how people look and your ears and your nose, I I, I feel like it, it's very uh, hitting below the belt. Yeah. So what what type of comedy do you put yourself in? I, I like it more like we're all on the Titanic. Let's get real here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter what level you're sleeping on. We're all going down, baby. I see you talk about a lot of traumatic things in your life that have happened. Your love of your life passing away suddenly, it sounds it. And you've already turned it into a joke. How do you use comedy to cope? Well, you know, my boyfriend Vinny used to say when we'd be around people, he'd say, Taffy, you're only really half listening to the conversation. All you do is wait for the CO, comic opportunity, <laughs> where you can just turn something. I don't know. My mind is just like that. <laughs> There's nothing like everybody laughing together. It's just um, perfect. It's just perfection. It's a, a real orgasm, a, a mutual orgasm. Oh, okay. Well, then I've seen you have mutual orgasms quite a bit. 
uh, seeing you perform. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I said during the pandemic, I had a lot of ups and downs, but not enough ins and outs. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So... How do you mean? So you said you met your boyfriend 36 years ago? I was with him for 36, 36 years, years, yes. How did you originally meet him? Oh, my God. You know, after my second divorce, that's when I really thought about starting comedy. It was like I felt like I had played all my cards and two divorces. So I took a comedy class. The woman had the idea to do a show like chorus line but chorus line is about dancers she wanted to do a show about comedians comedians women women comics and that we would workshop it like they did for chorus line for dancing and were you funny as a kid and how was uh was your family funny and blah 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 and we got as far as the public theater we had an audition there and it was terrific the name of the show was Fun with Jane, Apologies to Dick. Oh. In that, I met the uh, comedian Joy Behar. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. And we started out together. And I put shows together that Joy was in also. Would Joy know who you were today? Oh, Joy knows me very well. And she had a radio show. I was on that a lot. Yeah. Wait, so how did you meet your boyfriend? There was a place called Sukasa, S-U and then C-A-S-A. Two hippies, older people, ran at the same time, around the same time Woodstock started, they ran this like sort of like a senior camp. No kids, and it was uh, near near Woodstock, and it was open six months a year. And the other six months, they lived in Mexico, just on an island with no electricity. They were real hippie types. And this was a small resort, no keys, nudity allowed at the pool. Oh. The only rules to the whole place was you can't bring glass to the pool. Everything else was allowed. And they even had uh, crasher rates, which means you're not going to pay for a room. You'll just sleep in a tent or on an airbed. Or They even had a building, the sanctuary, where people slept one next to the other. And so anyway, that's where I met him. I never was naked there. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know whether he was either. I don't I don't know. But that but, is an amazing place to meet. Yes. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so when you met him, was it like love at first sight? Well, it turned out, you know, a lot of people were there after being divorced. So they were kind of looking for their next love. And I was divorced and he was divorced. And it turns out I met him on the dance floor, and he was a nightclub. He had been a nightclub dancer. What is a nightclub dancer like? One of those like guys who are like topless dancing? No, no. He was a, he was a nightclub dancer. He had an an act with his with his wife at the peak of the of the mambo era when the, there was like the Palladium dancers, and this guy was on tour in in. Uh, Many clubs, nightclubs in Canada and many the cruise ships. So he, he was a performer. And by then, I had started putting shows together in Sukasa. And so we were together in our performing together. When I first met him, I said to this other girl, I don't know, I think maybe he's a little bit old for me. So she said, um, Number one, you're no spring chicken. And number two, he's right up your alley. I said, how do you know? She goes, I know your alley. 
I guess she was right. <laughs> what was your favorite memory spending with him? This guy made me laugh every single day. We could be in bed at night and I could be like, oh my God, this, and what if that, and oh my God, and I can't, and I don't, and I don't know, and what if, and what if. He could just cut through it all and he'd say, Taffy, go to sleep and let your mind rest. Or or I'd be like, oh, Vinny, 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 Vinny. He'd say, Taffy, take my name out of your mouth. Or, or he'd come home and I'd go, you don't know what happened. This happened. He said, she said, they said, oh my God. He'd say, Taffy, I have my own problems. Go to your room. <laughs> so you yeah, like that? I loved it. It was like my family. I was like too much for them. Yeah. And this guy, but you're I was, just enough for him. He was fine. He he was an independent grown up, and we were madly in love. He had been married twice. I had been married twice. Yeah. We had grandkids, and it was wonderful because at the time when he came, my daughter was 14 years old. The first time he came to my house, he looked up at the Venetian blind and he looked at that thing you turn and he said, oh, that wand is broken. Do you have a stepladder? He stands on the stepladder. He looks at it. He says, do you have a paper clip? I give him the paper clip. Just at that time, my 14-year-old daughter arrives and I introduce them. She looks up at him. She says, you can fix things. My mother will never let you leave. <laughs> it was true. That kind of sounds really sexy, though. Like... It you know, it's in all those movies. A guy comes into your house, starts fixing things. He's like your protector. That's exactly how he was. Yeah. That's exactly how he was. I, I would play nightclub and the, the the show wasn't over till after midnight and he'd drop me off there and then he'd pick me up there and then we'd go out late That's to love. eat someplace. We were uh, appreciative that we had each other. We knew what it was like to have difficulties and he he was just perfect for me. What would you say the secret to a 36-year love fest is? Be two independent people. Do your own life and then come together. You don't need them to fill in all your holes. <laughs> I think that's pretty fantastic kind of feedback to give to people because I, I agree. I, I think it's important for us to be able to live our own independent lives uh, so we can find our own identity. So so recently, I joined a dating service for older people. So you're going back into the market? Yeah. Okay. Well, I just started it. It's called Silver Singles. And I, I met a guy. I met him just like two weeks ago. He's a runner. He's a, a climber. He's a bicyclist. And he has a pilot's license. Wow. I mean, I was so impressed with the guy. I said, do you think you could fix my phone? <laughs> So, and he lost his wife also about a year or so ago, and he's also devastated. So he said to me when we met, I, I don't think that you're ready to date. I said, what makes you think so? He says, I don't think you've accepted that your boyfriend's gone. I said, well, it's true, I haven't, but I, I don't know about dating. So I said, let me ask you, do you feel you're ready to start dating? And it stopped him in his tracks. He said, that is a good question. I really have to think of it. He says, I think the truth is I have one foot in and one foot out. So I said, well, I think that's where I'm at too. Now we proceed talking, uh, and the, the guy is really remarkable. He tells me about his wife was, was um, a head nurse of a hospital, and every year she would meet her female nurse friends in an island in Florida. He never went. But now he went and he met his, th these 
women in Florida on that island and brought the ashes, and they scattered the ashes. He's a very deep kind of guy. Well, isn't doesn't that just tear me up? Oh, it teared me up. I was yeah. yes, I, I really, and he's a deep kind of guy, but. It's more about him so far. He hasn't asked me that. He only asked me one question. Why did I change from being a psychotherapist to a comedian? I said, I didn't change. I just really retired and then went there. Oh, so you want him to ask you more about you. Well, you're such a fascinating person. I don't know why he doesn't. Well, I think the truth is the guy is scared of really dating again. So I didn't hear from him for a while after I met him the first time. Oh, the ne- two days later, he wrote... It was nice to meet you, and what's your phone number? And I gave him the phone number, but then I didn't hear from him. And my friend said to me, oh, ju- just um, write back to him that next time you meet, you want to have a new outfit, but you're not sure what year it will be. <laughs> so I said, no, that's too mean. But a few days later, after I didn't hear from him, I wrote, thinking of you. That's sweet. And he called me. And I'm meeting him again tomorrow for the second time. Oh, what are you guys going to do? We're, we're going to have dinner. Okay. So, Does it bother you that he didn't message you back right away? It bothers me that I, I, I don't know. Oh, he said to me at the end of the first meeting, I thought this was a very pleasant conversation. He said, what did you think? So I said, yes, I liked it, except for when you said I wasn't ready for dating. He said, oh, I changed my mind about that because we clarified that we both have one foot in and one foot out. So I love how just direct you both are from the very beginning. Oh. What are you looking for in a new relationship? Someone to adore me. (laughs) Well, you deserve that. I can tell you that now. Everybody doesn't agree with that. Why? Because some people think I ask too many questions. Some people think I have too much to say. How about if I was to tell you that you are enough of a person so whoever doesn't see that is not right for you? Would you believe it? I, I not only do I believe it, I'd like to marry you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at giving advice versus taking it. But like, that's one of the models in life, mottos that I live by. It's, um, I am enough. As a person, I am enough. Like, I can't be more than I am. And so I'm going through what I'm going through. I'm I'm not great at some things. I'm great at other things, but I'm enough. I, I think I'm much better at that than I ever used to be. Okay. I think that um, more self-acceptance than I had in yeah. the past. Yeah. How do you get self-acceptance? For somebody and probably a lot of people now, they're, I think, struggle to find it. Well, I think particularly for women, well, I, I don't know about men, but for, for women... There's so much about how you're supposed to look, how you, how much you're supposed to talk, uh, what you're supposed to be like. I mean, in, in, in my days, you couldn't even get a credit card. It's like you're, you're second class. And, um, and just in terms of, of the animal kingdom, men are stronger generally. So you're the second, second class and it's tough. You don't, you don't come up to, Nobody feels good enough about themselves. You could be a number 10, but tomorrow you, you, you ate an extra hot dog, so now you're, you're no longer a 10. Women, women as sex object. I, I said that after I retired, everybody told me, now you could become whatever you want. It's not too late. So I decided and I became a sex object. <laughs> but I said it wasn't that much fun because 
really. To me, it wasn't that much fun. There's not that much talking in it. <laughs> you love talking. <laughs> I think that's so. You actually live in the middle of the city, right? Like it's. I know you showed me. You're like it's quiet outside, but this is a really lively neighborhood that we're in. Yes. Um. Wh- why decide to still live like in a lively neighborhood? When I was married the second time, I lived in Queens, and. It was, I think it was the years that the Village Voice newspaper first came out. And it seemed so exciting to me. The village, the artists, the, the, it just seemed like so, so much happening. And so, like I said about my Sukasa, it was like Noah's Ark, only there was only one of each kind. I like that where you don't have to be so, um, follow rules and be exactly one way. So, so that turned me on to, come into the city to the village and eventually I got the to live here and even now do you still like it the hustle and bustle well I, I I say the rich people have ruined my neighborhood it's it's a uh, big high rises now on the Hudson River yeah it's um it's not what it was you lived in your place for how long over 45 years 45 years. yeah but I lived many places before yeah. that in the village but, too. oh okay but this in 45 years yeah you know one thing I like about you Taffy as, as you're speaking every time something happens in your life or for most people they could see that as like oh it's traumatic it's ending you begin another chapter and another chapter it's, it's forever going you know you went to two divorces you finally love your life you love your life suddenly passed away, you find Spotlight and National, like, AGT, and then you're going and still dating. And so it's like, you don't stop. And I think that's fantastic. What keeps you going? I can't stand stopping. I can't stand the, the alone. It's, it's, it's like I always say, I don't believe in dying. When someone I know passes, I leave their name in my phone book and just stay mad. They never call me. Um, that's... <laughs> Funny and quite beautiful at the same time. You know, it's like, uh, I can't imagine dying. It's, uh, well, let's not, let's live. Yes. And that's what you're doing. Today, I came into your apartment and one of the first things you showed me was all this new clothes you bought. (laughs) And one thing that I've noticed about you, not only do you love the color red, and I think that's your signature color and you wear it quite well, but you love the jewels, the sparkle, Sparkle. the pizzazz. Yes, I do. Why? Red and sparkles equal up. Don't don't bring it all dark and down. Let's have fun. They talk about that people in horrible situations can can sit around and tell jokes to each other. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean people are in such despairing ways these days. It's very it's it's horrible. Let's let's um look at and let's reflect on certain things about your life that I'm just curious about. So I'm just gonna ask you some questions. Like what's been your proudest moment? I was proud to have a child. I was not a good student in school. I skipped. I went to the first grade, and when I went to school, they divided the grades. It was like 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B. In 1A, the teachers skipped. They told me they skipped me to 2A, that I skipped. And I came home, and I told it to my family, and they didn't believe. They thought I made it up, which I'm capable of making things up. But, but I didn't. And I think that w- did not do well by me because I never learned how to print. I skipped certain things. And the kids, I guess, were a little bit older than me. And I never did well in school. I was distracted. I was probably distracted because of my home life, too. But And so school was difficult for me. So in high school, I we went away for the summertime. And 
I had to go to summer school one year, I remember, to repeat, I believe it was uh, French. And in that class were kids who were taking it to get ahead, to go what? To, to be advanced. And here I was. And so I always felt not very good in school. So I questioned my own intelligence at any rate. And then when it came time to go to college, I had to pick a, a dumb college. I only went for a, a two-year degree. And I went. I, I studied fashion merchandising, which that was the only thing, I don't know, that I thought I could pass. I was starting to do better, and I thought maybe I'd continue. But this, I was going out with a guy who was in dental school, and he says, you marry me now or forget it. And I thought, I'll never meet anyone else. So I got married when I was 19 to this guy. Okay, so now we get divorced, and now I'm on my own. And a woman that I knew as a teenager meets me. I was doing secretarial work. And she said, you belong in a different kind of work. And she was working in a school, a daycare center. I love little kids. She got me a job as an assistant teacher. And I was working there. And they made a rule at some point, you have to be going toward your college degree. So I went back to college a little bit at a time at night. I worked in the day and went back at night. And I started to do great. I got in the mail a postcard philosophy class A. I looked over that. I looked, turned it around. Could this be my right address? Is this me? Are you sure? And I got on Dean's list. Oh. It was just incredible. And the last year I went, I went in during the day and I finished the degree. And then I was inspired. And then I went to social work school and I got scholarship to go to social work school. And so then after that, I worked in a clinic for my first job for teenagers. And the most outstanding patient that I had, I got during that time. He was a, a, um, a boy who had been brought up in foster care, uh, very badly abused. And he was saved by these, uh, Daniel Berrigan, I believe, these famous peace priests, and lived with them. And then they sent him to therapy where I was. And he had been dyslexic and was in the class special class for dyslexics and assumed that he was dumb. Like I assumed that I wasn't smart because I wasn't good in school. Well, the other thing was he was an extremely talented artist. And long story short, after you reach a certain age, like I think it was uh, 21, then you couldn't go to the clinic anymore. And then I started a private practice. Oh, you did? And so this was... In your place? Well, I had offices outside. Got it. And this young guy was in my uh, group with me. I ran groups, an individual, and he's now a, an artist, recognized artist. His work was up in um, Art Students League, I believe. They picked him. He's married. And at first I saw him privately for $5, and he's come a long way, and it's like he thanked me. For all the years, he said, I thank you for all the years that you let me torture you. <laughs> and, you know, he had been so suppressed and so repressed that he was wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it sounds like you also were very wonderful in helping him. So let me ask you one more question. What's something you want people to know more about you? They just need to adore me in the proper manner. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to love each other. Let's just love each other. Let's just all have a love in. And hug each other and 
this Silver Singles guy went on. At the end of our first meeting, he stood up to leave, and I spontaneously got up and I hugged him. Oh. And that guy gave back such a good hug. Oh, my God. And he said, "Um, keep in touch. And I said, you keep in touch. And um, I said, maybe we'll just end up friends. He said, that would be a win-win. But I already have closet space for the guy. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. All right. This brings me to the good part of our next section where I like to do, I call it like the joke section. I don't know a proper name yet, but basically I want to run some jokes by you based off of some some things that you've said to me. And then since you're a comic, why don't you tell me you want some of your favorite jokes? And these are jokes you wrote? Yeah. Oh, these are jokes you wrote? Of course. And, and, And you want me to what? Laugh if you think it's funny. Don't laugh if you don't think it's funny. And it's just kind of oh a fun, okay, right? All right. So you said you didn't trust yourself growing up, right? You thought you weren't very good at school. I can relate to that. I also thought I grew up very dumb. And I know I grew up very dumb. Like, I still don't know what the Cold War is. Like, why do we have a war on being cold? Like, should we just do like a sweater drive or something? <laughs> and like, you know, I went to school and I, you know, I, I made something of myself. And now I have a job, right? My full-time job. I work with people who went to like Ivy League schools, like Harvard and the Yales. And like, they have the same job as me. And I'm like, mm, something doesn't add up here. Like, because I amounted to something, but they didn't amount to enough, you know? Um, and so... <laughs> what 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 what's the job? I, I work in tech, and when I tell people at my job that I do comedy, they're always like, "Oh my god, comedy! I could never." Just the thought of it makes my skin crawl. Like I just, and I'm like, "This isn't about you." <laughs> like I thought we that, but you grew up in New York, and I love New York because uh, I'm not from here. Because, but I love New York because you guys have gay schools here. I mean, art schools, uh, which I think is amazing. And like the thing is, I also found out that mace is illegal in New York and it's kind of dangerous. So I stopped carrying mace and I started carrying other things that hurt my eyes, like my face toner. So if a guy attacks me, I'll be like, oh, how do those rose petals feel like? Are your pores minimized? I hope so. But New York is a kind of like a really nasty place sometimes. Like I came out of the subway the other week and uh, there was this huge ass rat that walked past me but he's wearing this cute tank top. So I'm like, happy pride. <laughs> there. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you laughed at some of them. That's all we can hope for. Do you want to share some of your favorite jokes? Well, some of my favorite jokes I'll say are like, um, I wanted to tape my set tonight, but I'm so technologically challenged. I'd be a happy woman if I had a boyfriend and went down as much as my computer. <laughs> <laughs> First time I got on stage was after I retired, and this is how the MC introduced me. I'm giving Taffy extra time because she doesn't have that much time left. <laughs> so I got up and I said, thank you so very much. Luckily, I do have enough time left to tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> and as for the rest of you youngsters, you think you're so cool because you do drugs. Well, I do drugs too. Only guess what? Medicare pays for mine. <laughs> Do you know which joke I love that you say mm. about buying the round trip ticket? So, some of the MCs are so rude to me. Like they'll say, oh, Taffy's going to Florida. She bought a round trip ticket. She's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I love it, Taffy. I often like to ask, so what are your plans tomorrow? 
my plans tomorrow is yeah. I'm going to meet the guy from Silver Singles. Oh, okay. And then after that, or is that your whole day? Well, that's enough. <laughs> Jaffe, thanks so much. And just to end this off, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? I think it's um, unnatural the way we all live so isolated. I think we should all be living in tribes and together and more support for each other. And I think that we have to get rid of the super rich. Okay, that's something to leave us off with. But thanks for sharing. Uh Taffy, it's been amazing and a pleasure to spend this time with you. You sweetheart. And you know it's not going to be the last time we see each other either. All right, I'll see you around. Thanks, Taffy. Thank you, darling. What a fantastic episode. Did you fall in love with Taffy Jaffe already, like I did? I feel really lucky to be able to see her through our mutual connection and love of stand-up comedy. She truly is one of a kind. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. As I'm trying to grow this channel, I appreciate any support you can give. If you tell your friends about it, uh, if you turn on the notifications so you can get our weekly episode, anything really helps. Until then, see you next week.